Hey, this is Jordan. We'll be opening up the Chill Factory in just a moment. After years of teaching people how to reduce their stress and anxiety, I've learned one big thing. Sometimes we just need a few reliable techniques to help us reduce our stress fast. And this is exactly why I created Quick Calm, a self-paced video workshop where I teach 10 of these techniques. So stay tuned to the end of the episode because I'll be giving a special discount code for this Quick Calm video workshop and I'll be teaching you one of the workshop's techniques. So how will I respond? What are my options? I can put more stuffing in my mouth. I can change the subject. Changing the subject is an absolutely awesome way of responding sometimes when you really know that it's going to push your buttons, push other people's buttons. And sometimes it helps to have a plan with other people. Hi, and welcome to The Chill Factory. I'm Jordan Friedman. About five years ago, there was a Saturday Night Live skit called Thanks, Adele, where a family came together around the Thanksgiving dinner table and everything was going well until one of the guests said they were going to vote for a particular presidential candidate. And people started yelling and arguing and they were up in each other's faces. And then quietly, one of the kids at the table went over to the sound system and pressed play. And out erupted Adele singing her big hit, Hello. And everyone at the table calmed down and came together in a parody of the Hello Music video. Well, this happened again and again. Someone said something racist and then someone dismissed an entire group of people. And each time, the kid would press play and Adele would bring everyone together. It's a really funny skit, and I think it's still on YouTube. Again, it's called Thanks, Adele. Given that we're on the eve of Thanksgiving dinner and other holiday gatherings, I thought, wouldn't it be great to have Adele help us navigate these difficult and challenging interactions? Well, I couldn't get Adele, but I did get Amanda. Amanda Baden is a clinical psychologist based in New York City and a professor in the graduate counseling program at Montclair State University. She focuses her research and practice on transracial adoption and serves on numerous boards, including the New York State Board of Psychology and Creating Families. Hi, Amanda, and thanks for stopping by The Chill Factory. Hi, Jordan. Thanks for having me. I'm really glad to have you because... Unlike five years ago when that Adele skit aired on SNL, we have heaped on so many more issues that we can bring to the holiday table. Uh, Sure, there was uh, racism back then and there were difficult politics, but it feels like all of that has gotten even more stressful over the past five years and We didn't have a pandemic back then, so now we have all of the pandemic-related behaviors that might make our blood boil. So you are going to help us all have smooth and stress-free and happy holiday interactions, right? Absolutely. That's my goal. (laughs) Okay. Well, it's good to have goals. No problem with that. Great. (laughs) You know, in all seriousness, I don't think there has been anyone I've spoken to in the last few years who has not had some kind of, if not rift with a family member or friend, has really started thinking about the quality and nature of their relationship with them because of 
things that have been said um, around some of the issues I mentioned before. What is this doing in your experience? Because you're, you're working with patients and clients and you teach and you're out there in the world. How have you seen this play out? And is it as problematic as, as I perceive it to be? It's a great question, Jordan. You know, um, I do hear about it a lot. And I have actually been having some conversations both professionally and, of course, personally with people about this very issue. So one of the things that I think is most important to think about any conflict you have with someone you care about is you have to decide, do you want this relationship to continue? Do you feel like there's a way to navigate this so that you can continue to have closeness, still respect each other, all of those things? Because the answer to that question could kind of determine what strategy you take. One of the things I think is most helpful, though, Jordan, is that we have choices. We don't, it's not like we don't have any way we can respond to this. We can always choose to ignore what's been said that bothers us. We could also choose to confront it very directly. And we can choose to have do something like asking someone who you think would be an ally for you to help support you in your process. So I'll say my first tips are to approach with empathy. Empathy is so important, and it also helps us to understand what the other person is experiencing. Because if we approach with judgment, then it means we're not going to hear each other. And so it's going to be kind of a pointless exercise. Can you give an example of what that might look like practically approaching the situation or the response with empathy? So some people when they're listening, they're only thinking about where they can make their argument and where they can find a hole in the other person's argument. They're not listening to just try and make sure they understand what the other person is saying. For example, if someone is talking about how they really don't agree with some mandates that are going on, or they think that one political party is not behaving the way they should, an empathetic response could be something like, wow, it sounds like it's been really hard for you to hear all this. And I'm wondering how you perceive other people feeling about it. Another way to show your understanding is, so Uncle Pete, tell me what you mean by that, because I'm, I'm trying to understand what's bothering you about it. As you can see, like this style can breed more calm exchanges, more respectful listening, instead of volatile chaos where we're trying to prove we're right. You know, some of these conflicts happen because people don't like to admit they're wrong and they have trouble even seeing that they could be wrong. Yeah. And if I might add to what you just mentioned with communicating empathy, you could also let Uncle Pete know that you're seeing something from his point of view. Oh, I, I didn't think about it in that way, if if that's true. Yeah. I mean, it's it's basically affirming that the other person has a perspective, whether you agree with it or not, it's that you're willing to understand it. And you're not trying to debunk it, to invalidate it, to fight it, to make the person be humiliated or any of those things. We know that like in arguments, if you help the other person save face, even if they don't quote unquote win the argument, you're going to have a lot easier time than if it becomes a power struggle for being correct. You know, what you're saying makes me wonder if there should be a little kumbaya time at the beginning of a holiday meal where everyone is around the table and 
state some expectations, some common desires for the dinner, for the evening, uh, for the holiday, especially if uh, you know you're in a family where um, these eruptions happen on a regular basis. Would it be worth it to say up front, hey, you know, we get that we have different opinions on some issues and it's totally cool to express those, um, but do we agree that we can do it in a respectful way, that we can listen to each other, that we can approach our conversation with empathy? Yes, I, I think it'd be great. I mean, one of the other challenges, Jordan, that I didn't get to mention yet is that I would say a large majority of, of our population really dislikes conflict. And so they will try to avoid it at all costs. And if you're not willing to avoid it because you're willing to almost uh, indulge it, then some other folks might be uncomfortable with that. So for example, if Uncle Pete makes what I might consider inflammatory statements, and other people in that room may also think that, but they may not want us to cause waves to even acknowledge it. And hopefully if we ignore it, it'll go away. Um, And so if you do though, say, I'm not okay with that, that can upset some of your other, uh, the other people in the room, because they're saying, we want peace. We don't want this argument. We don't, we just want to pretend it's not happening. And I think the challenge is for some of us, I'm for, I'll, I'll say just for me, Um, I really feel strongly about racial and social justice. I feel really strongly that I have to use whatever um, skills and, and power I have to advocate for people who who might not have those, those abilities or, or those resources. Can we talk about avoidance or biting your tongue at the holiday table and not responding, even though you want to, but you feel that it will upset the peaceful vibe or upset Aunt Wanda, who spent hours preparing this meal and bringing everyone together. I hear what you're saying about you're someone who feels very strongly about expressing your feelings and and representing others who are often marginalized. But what I am really interested in, in talking a little bit about is what that can do are we setting ourselves up for an even bigger conflict the next time a holiday dinner rolls around or negative feelings that stew and fester after we leave this particular meal and then, oh boy, things start to really disintegrate from, from this point on. Do you see what I'm, what I'm getting at? Yes. Does it make it worse if you keep ignoring it? That's and- a much simpler <laughs> way of asking we should switch roles. <laughs> so I do personally believe that suppressing our reactions and our emotions does take a toll on us emotionally. But there are definitely times when people make choices like that and they're reasonable choices. I think the harder part about this is there are some things that you can try and address directly. And there's some things that you might choose not to talk about So it kind of depends on your identities and how much you're affected by these things. So if you are an immigrant, for example, and Uncle Pete's saying these things about immigrants, then you don't have a choice in certain ways. 
because that's your, the life you're leading and it does directly affect you. But maybe your, your cousin has no idea of what that experience of being an immigrant is and doesn't feel like it's about them. Are there things that can be done after dinner? And I don't mean right after dinner when you're eating dessert. I mean, you know, a couple of weeks after uh, the holiday meal and you've been thinking about the conversation and maybe you are annoyed or upset with yourself because you didn't respond in a certain way to something someone said about immigrants or people of color or that someone loves a certain candidate for this particular reason you find horrific. Are there options post-conflict to help yourself feel better and clear the air with others? Jordan, you know, that's a, it's a great segue because it's exactly what I was also going to suggest. You know, when I talked about saving face earlier, that is one way that you can help support the other person and maybe have a better outcome to the discussion by not doing it so publicly in front of other people where the person who has the unpopular opinion may feel ganged up upon or targeted. They may also feel embarrassed if everyone doesn't agree with them. So having that conversation privately and calmly, if possible, and respectfully outside can be one of the really important options. So maybe maybe Aunt Wanda is saying things that is, are bothering me and she's put on this lovely dinner and I don't want to ruin that dinner, but I also feel like I can't stay silent. So I might ask her, can we, can we have coffee next week? Um, I want to talk to you about some stuff. And then really at those points say something like, um, you know, I really had a wonderful dinner. It was great. I did want to ask you about a few things because I don't think that we're on the same page and I'd like to see if we can come to some understanding of each other. You know, I can hear families all over America using those exact words a week after Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner, thanks to you. And I'm, I'm, I'm not joking because one of the challenging things is finding the words. When you're in the middle of an emotional storm, while you're arguing with someone or two weeks later, it's really hard sometimes to have the peace of mind and a clear emotional presence to come up with words like you just did. Uh, so you'll never know, but I'm sure that some listening today uh, are going to repeat exactly what you said. And that's fine, I assume, with you, right? Oh, I, I really would hope so. I think it'd be absolutely super flattering. You're right about the words, because as you noted, I, I, I teach students who are going to be counselors. I'm a psychologist myself. And I think I'm in the business of words um, because that's what we do. I don't give shots. I don't, you know, make people do push-ups <laughs> or anything like that. But my words and the way I use them are the way I try and connect to feelings and connect to other people. And so it does help if you're able to come up with some strategies of what to say. But again, that way of talking to Aunt Wanda is to say, you're a person, I'm a person, let's try and hear each other, even though I wasn't really happy with what, what I heard. Yeah. And Amanda, I mentioned earlier in our conversation about starting a meal with everyone agreeing to respect each other and to uh, show empathy. 
I also think it wouldn't be the worst idea for you as an individual who will be going to this event, this uh, holiday gathering, a few days before, a week before, maybe right now as you're driving to your Thanksgiving dinner, to think about the potential of what could be said and think about how you will react or how you would like to react and even think about some words or phrases that you would use, almost like rehearsing for a play. And sometimes our interactions with family members, they're like the same play every year, Mm -hmm. right? They're just revivals year after year. So you can actually rehearse them and then remember them for next year and the year (laughs) after. But this idea of, of preparation and prevention, it It can really help to have these words in your head. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think that as you you give great suggestions there, if we are planning ahead and we are thinking, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to suggest that um, we're never going to fight again. That's kind of magical thinking, right? So we have to be realistic and say, well, you know, it's quite likely that Uncle Pete and I are not going to see eye to eye. So how will I respond? What are my options? I can put more stuffing in my mouth. I can excuse myself from the table. I can change the subject. Changing the subject is an absolutely awesome way of responding sometimes when you really know that it's going to push your buttons, push other people's buttons. And sometimes it helps to have a plan with other people. So I was talking about allies before. Maybe your sibling knows exactly what bothers you as well. Maybe they're able to not be as volatile about it or angry about it, but they might be able to help you in keeping calm and figuring out a way to, to, to address this in a way that actually might make some change. Because there's other ways, the fighting ways, the argumentative ways, the only change it does is it sort of deteriorates the relationship. You just mentioned about changing the subject, and my last question was going to be, so like the kid in the SNL skit who would leave the table quietly and go over to the stereo system and press play, and out would come Adele's voice, and all of the people at the table would rise up and and parody her music video of Hello, it's a great idea, right? to have something in your pocket, something in your head that you know everybody can agree upon or everybody can get into that's totally different than the politics or the culture wars or whatever it might be. You know, oh man, the Yankees were amazing last night or something like that, right? Something that redirects everyone's attention. It's engineering, but <laughs> engineering does does work wonders in these situations. Absolutely. You know, Amanda, I have some of these conflicts in my life as well, and I already feel better about going into the holiday season thanks to this conversation. So, Amanda Baden, thanks so much for stopping by the Chill Factory. Have wonderful holidays, and uh, to you, Uncle Pete and Aunt Wanda, you have great holidays too. Thank you, Jordan. It was a pleasure. There's more about Amanda Baden and her work in the show notes and at thechillfactory.net. 
It's not Adele's hello, but I do have something that could work just as well when you start to feel really stressed or really angry or you're about to blow your top because of something someone says at the dinner table or somewhere else. It's called Quick Calm. And yes, that's the name of the video workshop I mentioned at the beginning of this episode. And it's one of the techniques that I teach during that workshop. So let's try a brief version of Quick Calm here. Quick Calm is designed to calm you down quickly when you're feeling suddenly stressed and suddenly anxious or overwhelmed by something. What I'll have you do is close your eyes if you'd like. If you're driving or walking while you're listening to this, don't close your eyes. And then I'll count to three. And on three, I'll have you take a deep breath in. I'll have you hold the breath. I'll have you think to yourself, I am warm as you're holding the breath. I'll have you exhale, and then I'll have you think, I am calm. You don't have to remember any of that. I'll lead you through the entire exercise. Here we go. If you'd like, close your eyes. Just breathe normally for a moment. And one, two, three, inhale, and hold. Think to yourself, I am warm. And exhale. Think I am calm. Keeping your eyes closed, just breathe normally again for a moment. And one more time. One, two, three, deep breath in. And hold. Think I am warm. Exhale. Think I am calm. The full quick calm exercise is a bit longer and you can use it in any stressful situation. Doing quick calm is like texting your heart to slow down and that causes the stress response to slow down which helps us feel calmer and better able to move forward. Quick calm is just one of the techniques I teach during quick calm, my self-paced video workshop, which by the way makes a great holiday gift. Just go to quickcalm.net to learn more about the workshop and the first 25 who use the special discount code THANKSGIVING will get 25% off. It's quitting time for this episode of The Chill Factory. I'm Jordan Friedman. Thanks so much for listening. The Chill Factory is produced by The Stress Coach and you can find all sorts of additional resources at thechillfactory.net including our show notes, which have links to resources mentioned during this episode. You can also listen to all episodes of The Chill Factory there and leave us a voice comment or question. Just look for the blue tab on the right side of all site pages. And be sure to follow or subscribe to The Chill Factory so you'll know when new episodes are available. If you're celebrating, I hope you have safe, peaceful holidays. And as novelist Mohsen Hamid said, empathy is about finding echoes of another person in yourself.